When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 392 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. It is back to school week here on the podcast. And if you listened to Tuesday's episode with Dr. Rebecca Jackson, you heard the number. The number is $597. That's the amount of money per child that the average American parent is spending for back to school season. And we are in the thick of it, are we not? We've got pages long school supply lists. There's that expectation that abounds in our culture to buy entirely new wardrobes for our children. Well, according to the National Research Federation, parents this year are most likely going to splurge on apparel and tech. Six in 10 parents, so the majority of parents, say that they will spend more on higher quality items to, quote, treat their child, end quote. Now, I myself have fond memories of back-to-school shopping with my mom and sister. For new outfits, we would go to Filene's, if anybody remembers Filene's. We would get new school supplies wherever they were the cheapest. And even though I have great memories of those back-to-school shopping trips, as a mom myself these days, I am choosing to do things differently because the old way of doing things in which we get new stuff simply because we're going back to school, that old way, it's not working. Full stop. It's not working for our homes and our clutter problems. It's not working for our wallets and our budgets. And most importantly, it's not working for the planet. So when it comes to back to school season, again, I choose, I have the choice to do things differently. Now, today's show, it is split into three parts. In part one, we're discussing, we're bringing to light, I should say, we're not just discussing, we're bringing to light the back to school market, and it's a big market. In part two, we're discussing back-to-school clothes and sneakers and shoes and all that jazz. I'm giving you my best thoughts there. And then in part three of today's show, we're discussing school supplies. I'm giving you my best ideas as both a mother and also as a former teacher. So let's get right into part one and bring to light the back-to-school advertising market. If you're looking at a 12-month calendar... There are certainly events already written in the calendar, aren't there? There are secular events, there are non-secular events, and everything in between. Easter, for example. 
4th of July, Halloween. Advertising executives make the most out of these scheduled holidays and scheduled events. They capitalize on them, don't they? Your daughter needs a cute new Easter dress and pastel, or come on into the store for your 4th of July barbecue, get some new platters. Oh, and don't forget to buy the alcohol either. Or how about it's Halloween, you definitely need a new Halloween costume. Last year's just won't cut it. Come on in and get yours, right? They're capitalizing on these scheduled events. This is news to no one. If you're living on planet Earth, you know this to be true. But what on Earth do these advertising executives do when there is no scheduled event, no holiday in the near future on the calendar? Well... They create events, don't they? They create events out of thin air to get you and me to come into the store and buy stuff we don't need. Let's bring to light some examples. How about grilling season? Oh, grilling season's here. How about the Super Bowl? Snacks and flat screens and everything you need for your Super Bowl party. How about bathing suit season? That's a made-up season, is it not? How about, geez, fall, pumpkin spice everything? How about ski season? Come on in, upgrade your ski boots. Back-to-school season, of course, falls into this latter category. It is one such event that has been created out of thin air to entice us to buy things we don't need. And here's the catcher. Doing this works. It works. According to the National Retail Federation, back-to-school spending is expected to reach an unparalleled $41.5 billion. That's up from $36.9 billion last year. The National Retail Federation also found that even though consumers are planning to spend more on school-related items this year, Families are still seeking out the best deals. We're stretching our dollars by comparing prices, by considering off-for-store brand items. We're more likely to shop at discount stores than last year. And this tells me that we, collectively, as consumers, we're focusing our efforts in the wrong place. We're spending our time looking for deals when we should be spending that same amount of time Shopping our homes. Because the number one way to stretch our dollars is something that you and I, we already know because we're sustainable minimalists. And that is saving money happens organically when we reuse what we already have. And so, yes, we are all being inundated with back to school ads right now for clothing, for shoes, for school supplies, and everything in between. But that shouldn't matter. We are critical thinkers, are we not? (laughs) Do you buy a flat screen TV every year before the Super Bowl? No, of course not. Do you buy a new car every three-day weekend because on three-day weekends, they're the most discounted? No, you certainly don't. And even though the price tags on back-to-school items are peanuts compared to the big sticker prices on flat screens in cars, the logic remains the same. It's not a deal if you don't need it. So let's discuss clothing and shoes. For many of us, it is common 
to take our kids to the store or to look through the catalogs that showed up in our mailbox for back-to-school outfits. And I encourage us all to ask ourselves the question, why? Why do we do this? Did every piece of clothing disappear (laughs) over the summer? Did last year's headphones or glue sticks suddenly stop working on the last day of the last school year? It's almost as if no one's saying this out loud and so no one's doing it. If the only voices we're hearing about back to school comes from the advertisements, then maybe we think that's the only way. And so I'm happy to be the voice on the other side of the back to school coin. Before we go out and buy new outfits and new kicks and new this and new that for our kids, let's all check and see what our children actually need. Not what the ads say they need, not what our children want, not what looks cute in the commercial or in the catalogs. Let's ask ourselves, what do they need? This year, my children, they will be getting new sneakers, each of them. Their sneakers are in really bad shape. They will also be getting new haircuts. They will also be getting school supplies too, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But when it comes to their external appearance, that is it. And that's because I've gone through their stuff and I know with 100% certainty that that's all they need. Now, figuring out what your child needs does indeed come with an upfront cost of your time, but it will definitely save you money and it will definitely save you morning hassles come the new school year. So what does this look like? In my house, I sit down on the floor in my child's bedroom. So I do one child at a time. Let's not stress ourselves out doing multiple kids at the same time, right? So I go into one of my child's room. She's on board. I sit down on the floor. We take every single piece of clothing out of her drawers and closet. My daughter tries every single piece of clothing on. This is not just pants and shirts. This is also pajamas. This is a great time to clean out what no longer fits, what's no longer liked, what has holes in it, etc. I should say my kids don't have that much clothes to begin with, so this isn't as big of a job as it might be if they had huge wardrobes, but it does take time. It takes at least a solid hour, and they're trying on all the clothes. No, they don't try on the underwears and the socks, but I definitely do go through that drawer and make sure they have enough socks and enough underwear to start the school year off. And so my daughter, she tries everything on one by one. I remove items from her wardrobe that are, again, worn or have holes in them, items that are too small, some stuff I put away for my younger daughter. If it's too small for my younger daughter, I put it away to be donated. I also am happy to remove items from my daughter's wardrobe that they tell me they're never going to wear, realistically. So my older daughter, she has more specific taste about clothes than my younger one. If she puts on a pair of pants and they fit and they're clean and they are in decent shape, but my daughter says, I'm never going to wear these, I take them out of her drawer because I've found that doing so cuts down on morning battles. 
my goal, well, I have two goals. Number one, my number one goal for doing this with my children is I want to see whether there are gaps in their wardrobes that I have to fill prior to the first day of school, of course. But my second goal is to make certain that every single item of clothing in her room fits and is in decent condition and will happily be worn. When every item in the drawer is going to be worn happily by my daughter, it really cuts down on morning stresses and hassles and fights. It just does. This year, because we're in the midst of the August decluttering challenge, last week I sat down with both my girls, one after the other, and we did this. And the items that we extracted from their wardrobes, they counted as items towards their challenge goal. That was particularly motivating for them. So for anybody doing the declutter challenge with their kids, let them count these clothes on their charts and wow, they'll be much more on board ready to do it. It's easier for them to part with clothes that they're not wearing than it is to part with toys or beloved items, right? So we do this with their clothes, but we also do this with the coats and the shoes. We'll do winter stuff a little bit later in the fall as it gets colder. But this is home maintenance 101. It's finding out what you have so that you don't go out and you don't accidentally overbuy. This is my number one strategy, I've said, to make mornings more streamlined and less chaotic. And If you're wondering, well, how much do I need? I've done an episode on kids' capsule wardrobes, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But I do believe that how many items your child needs is heavily dependent on how often you do laundry. So I do one load of laundry every single day. On towels and sheets day, I do like four loads of laundry. But every day, I do one set of clothing laundry. And that means that my children need less than you may think. Here's how I do laundry. So this is kind of a tangent, but stay with me. I'll bring it back around. So I do laundry, let's say on a Monday. I hang up the laundry on a Monday afternoon, and then the laundry dries all Monday night into Tuesday morning. On Tuesday morning, before I wake my children up, I take the laundry that is now dry off the line and I bring it upstairs to where the bedrooms are. I dump it all on my bed. So it's a big pile of clean laundry to be folded. My daughters do not need me to dress them. They do not need me to brush their hair or teeth. However, they do need to be monitored so that they stay on track and don't miss the school bus. So while I am continuously monitoring them, I'm also folding the clothes and putting them away. When this big pile of clean clothes is dumped on my bed, my daughters will often come into my room and extract items from the pile that are their favorite. So they'll come in and they'll take out their favorite pants or their favorite socks or their favorite shirt. And yes, they did wear these items two days prior, but I don't care. I'm not picky. They're not going to a fashion show. They're going to school. And so I say all this to say that if you're doing laundry every day, you do not need two weeks worth of clothes because younger children in particular will likely continue to extract their favorites and wear those over and over again. Now, speaking of what they like to wear, my daughters are young. They're six and they're nine. They don't care about fashion yet. (laughs) They don't particularly care about their appearances at all yet. I know it's coming, but we're not there yet in this house. 
They're easy. And so if you have a middle school or high school student and you're rolling your eyes at me right now as you listen, I hear you. I still suggest as you are buying new clothes for them in anticipation of the new school year, I suggest you still only buy what they need. You can still buy them a high interest item in a category in which they're lacking, in which they have a wardrobe proverbial hole. If they already have eight pairs of jeans, don't buy another pair, even if they really, really want the new pair of jeans. If they only have one sweatshirt, perhaps you can buy them instead of jeans, a sweatshirt that they like and want in that category because it, again, it's a want, but it also fulfills a need. The larger implications of this strategy is that it is teaching our children in real time that they don't get whatever they want just because they want it. This is a life lesson that many of us adults are still grappling with, right? How many times have you yourself seen a great, perfect, amazing, targeted advertisement and you want it, you want whatever it is? You certainly don't need it. You don't need that new sweater in anticipation of the fall season. You've already got plenty of sweaters, but still you want it. How many of us continue to struggle with not buying wants and only buying needs? How many of us, let's take this a step further, how many of us had parents who bought us whatever we wanted, not what we needed, because they wanted us to feel happy or loved or to fit in with our peers. This action of our parents, of buying what we wanted, that was certainly nice of them. But here we are now, as adults, we were kids, but now we've grown up, and we have learned, we have been taught that we can and should get what we want simply because we want it. And that simply wanting That's a low bar, but it's a high enough bar to buy it. In my view, the beauty of being a parent is we can teach our children this vital life lesson of we buy needs, we don't buy wants. We can teach them this simply by being the parent in situations such as these, such as the ones we're talking about right now. And so since I'm on my soapbox, I'm going to stay here for a minute. If you have the desire, so you as the parent, if you as the parent have the desire to buy something or buy many things for your child that are wants and whims and not true needs, I suggest you take that desire that's inside you, that's buried deep within, and you bring it out into the light. Dig out the roots and get to the why. Why do you feel the need to buy your son those new sneakers even though he already has two pairs of perfectly decent ones? What inside of you are you trying to heal? Are you hoping these new sneakers will help him fit in as he transitions into middle school? Well, that's very nice of you, but sneakers are just an object. Sneakers cannot do those lofty things. Your son will likely have a transition period into middle school whether or not he has new sneakers. Are you using this sneaker purchase as a means of showing him how much you love him? Again, we do this often, don't we, as parents? Your son knows you love him, and he knows you love him by all of the hundred 
little things you do for him, all the hundreds of little ways you show him every single day. New sneakers are not going to make or break his understanding of your love for him. Certainly not. How about this one? This is a big one. Are you hoping the new sneakers will make your son love you? Well, new sneakers may indeed make your son like you and appreciate you a whole lot more for 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. But buying him these new sneakers are not going to make him love you long term. Shoes are just an object. They do not have the power to create love or sustain love. And when we use gifts and other expensive items as tools to get or keep love, what we're really doing is we're putting the focus on the thing and not on fostering where the love actually lies, which of course is in the relationship. So dig it out. Bring out the deep-seated reasons why you're considering buying this third pair of sneakers for your son. Bring it out into the light. Shine the light of day, or I actually should say, shine the light of consciousness on your motivations. I'm willing to bet that your own history, your own childhood perhaps comes into play. I'm willing to bet your own feelings comes into play. Your desire to be liked and appreciated and, again, loved by your child. Those are very likely motivators for buying stuff they don't need. But this practice of digging out the roots of why you do stuff, why you buy stuff, this is Intentional Living 101, and it's not easy, but it's 110% necessary. If you're listening to me rant and rave right now, And you know already, you're still going to get new items for your child for back to school, new clothes, new shoes. That's okay. We can still be friends. I do have to say, however, because this is sustainable minimalism, perhaps this is the year you think outside of the mall and perhaps instead consider those thrift shops or consignment shops or garage sales. Your kid might not be on board, but perhaps you as the parent consider them. Remember especially that buying new clothes supports a garment industry that is irresponsible. It irresponsibly produces poor quality in unsafe factories. The fast fashion industry in particular is shameful in how it pays its workers. Perhaps this is the year that you would rather support a nonprofit thrift shop over the fast fashion garment industry. Maybe this is your year. So we're going to take our sponsor break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the school supplies, the pens, the pencils, the colored pencils, all of that. We'll be right back. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love 
Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch, They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back on today's show. We are discussing buying for back to school. Before the break, we discussed the clothing and the shoes conundrum, back to school outfits and such. Now we're on to the part of today's conversation where we are discussing the school supplies. You're likely saying to yourself, school supplies are a need. I need to buy them for my child, for my children, so that they are set up for success during the new school year. To that, I say, yes, your child very likely may need colored pencils to thrive during the new school year. Yes, that is a true statement. However, they don't need new colored pencils to thrive. And they certainly don't need those colored pencils in plastic, those plastic colored pencils. They don't need those either. So let's break this down. It is school supply buying time. And despite those beautiful glossy ads that feature the new pens, the pencils, the binders, and whatnot, it's okay to reuse the stuff you actually have. Last year's scissors will still work this year. Last year's lightly used pencil can be resharpened. And what about that disgusting binder that has marks and scuffs all over it? Have you tried washing it and laying it out to dry? You will be surprised at how fresh and dare I even say almost new it can look. This is sustainable living. Make do with what you already have. You have already paid for it. It's already been manufactured. The excessive packaging that it was wrapped in, it has already happened and it has already been discarded. It's a win-win situation in which, it's a win-win-win situation in which you're saving money, you're reducing waste, and you're supplying kids with the items they need to thrive in the new school year. Now, my daughter's school, okay, they both go to the same elementary school, public school. The school strongly encourages parents to buy their school supplies from a third-party company called EPI. The EPI packages all the teacher's wish list items into an easy-to-buy, well, package, (laughs) and ships it directly to the school. You cannot, as a parent, pick and choose items on the list. Either you buy all the items on the teacher's 
wish list or you buy none of the items. This is a fundraiser for the school, and so there is an added cost on all the items. But for parents, this is super easy. You get about, I don't know, I've gotten at least a dozen emails since the end of last school year. I've gotten at least a dozen emails saying, get your child ready for school, click on this link, buy the back-to-school packs, and wipe your hands clean of it. You're done. So this year, my incoming first grader, her back-to-school pack from this third-party company costs $50. $50, not bad. My incoming fourth grader's back-to-school pack costs $79. And on these lists, there are things you'd expect. Glue sticks, crayons, colored pencils, wrapped in plastic, by the way. We'll get to that in a minute. And I'm not saying the packaging. I'm saying the colored pencil is plastic, so you don't have to sharpen it with a pencil sharpener. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Those are the bane of my existence. Anyway, highlighters, pocket folders, etc. Normal back-to-school stuff. One year... I think it was two years ago, my daughter, my older daughter, I attempted to buy all the items on the teacher's back-to-school list on my own. I shopped for deals. I shopped my home as well. I got most of the items the teacher was asking for, and I spent less money, but it was 100% definitely more of a hassle. I had to drive around town, blah, blah, blah. It was a lot. Last year, I just bought these packs and I didn't think about them again. I did spend more money, but there was literally zero hassle. You might be wondering, well, what are you doing this year, Stephanie? Are you buying these packs? The answer is no. And I'm not buying the packs this year because of two very specific items on these lists. On my first graders list, the teacher is asking for those plastic colored pencils And on my fourth graders list, the teacher is asking for a pair of headphones. Now, remember, I can't pick and choose the items I buy. It's either all or it's none. Let's talk about the headphones first. Headphones are not a disposable item. So why are we treating them as such? Why does each and every student in the fourth grade need a new pair of headphones when the headphones that we sent to school with our children last year are still in working condition and are perfectly adequate. This, honestly, you can hear it in my voice, I'm sure, this infuriates me. Even though this buying the school pack is a fundraiser, and even though I know firsthand that my money, my extra money, goes directly to my children, I am not buying these packs on principle alone. We already have headphones. I do not need to buy another brand new pair. And now let's talk about the first graders' colored pencils. Who created Crayola colored pencils in plastic and why? Sure, as a former teacher, I do know that they are slightly less distracting than the conventional ones where you have to get out of your seat and sharpen them. But come on. Next week, I have an episode coming out about new research into microplastics. Why are we just creating things with plastic that don't need plastic to function? What's next? Plastic pencils? Well, they already exist, don't they? Uh, Plastic crayons? I'm sure those are either in existence or the fossil fuels industry is creating them, right? This is ridiculous. I, on principle alone, will never buy plastic colored pencils. Never. 
And so this year, I'm not buying these packs. This year, I am shopping my home first and foremost. I already have many of the items on these lists. I have the headphones. I have the glue sticks. I have the tissue boxes, etc. For the items on these lists that I have a similar item, but not the exact one that the teacher asked for. So an example here would be my fourth grader needs to bring to school a one-inch hardback durable binder in black. Well, I don't have one in black, but I do have a one-inch durable binder, durable hardback binder, excuse me. I have that. I have it in blue. I'm going to use my discretion here, and I'm going to be sending the blue binder instead of the black one to school. With regard to the colored pencils for my daughter, I have colored pencils. I don't have colored pencils wrapped in plastic, and I never will, so I'll be sending the conventional colored pencils that I grew up with to school with my first grader. And for the items that I do not have at all, so I do not have a four-pack of highlighters in my house at the moment. I do not have a package of fine-tip dry erase markers. I don't have them. I am going to do my best to shop the deals and purchase them and send them into school with my child on the first day of school. Now, there is one item on both lists that I will not be buying. I will not be sending a replacement. My children will not be bringing them into school. This is a personal choice, and this is based on principle, and that is those single-use Clorox disposable disinfecting wipes. Yes, I know they are convenient. Yes, I know we are still in, maybe coming out of, who knows, the pandemic. All that known, these are a single-use disposable item, and I personally am not okay with purchasing them. What happened to a spray bottle and a rag? That's what I used when I was a teacher to clean the desks. I'm just curious what happened to those and why we don't use them anymore. Why are we all on board with these rags made of plastic that are meant to be used once and then thrown away? I'm personally not okay with that. And so I suggest you all do the same as parents. If a teacher sends home a list and you're not okay with one or two or some of the items on the list based on principle, remember that it's your money and you get to decide how you spend your money. Now. I used to be a teacher. So that is all what I say as a parent. What do I say as a teacher? Well, let me just say right off the bat, I used to teach high school primarily, but I did spend a year or two teaching middle school. So I taught older kids. And disclaimer, every teacher has different preferences. Every school has different policies. Every school district has different budgeting constraints and concerns. So In what I say next, I am only speaking of my opinion and of my experience. So when I was a teacher, my school reimbursed me for up to a specific dollar amount for classroom supplies. So I would go to the stores every July and August, and I would buy everything that my students needed to succeed in my classroom. I would buy one composition notebook per student. Now, let me just say, I'm no martyr here. I had the teacher card at Staples, so each composition notebook was like 10 cents max, (laughs) okay? I bought one binder per student, which I would reuse year to year if they were in good condition. I would buy more pencils than you could imagine, like picture a shopping cart filled with pencils. I would buy that. I would buy markers and crayons and loose leaf paper and all of it. And then I would 
save the receipt, give it to my principal, and I would be reimbursed. My students had everything they needed to thrive in my classroom because I supplied it all. All of it. Now, for their own preferences, for my students' own preferences, they need their own binder that would come to and from school, their own folders, their own fancy gel pens. Remember the trapper keepers of the 1990s? (laughs) If a student wanted something like that, that was on them to provide. But I say all this to say that no student in the public school that I taught in was going to be left behind if they didn't show up with every single item on my teacher back-to-school wish list. I did not work in a well-funded school. My school didn't even have a PTA, and still, every student who walked into my door and any door in any classroom within my school had the school supplies they needed to succeed. Any items that students brought in was happily accepted by me, the teacher, and those resources were pooled for all students to use. So let's say a student comes in with markers and is leaving them in the classroom. Those markers went into the marker bucket for everyone to use and enjoy. That's what I did as a teacher of older students. And in younger grades, I do know it to be true that resources are commonly pooled. Now, I know things change with the pandemic and germ fears, and we don't want everybody putting their hands in the crayon bucket. I understand all that. But the colored pencils that you're sending into school with your daughter, they very likely may go into the big bucket of colored pencils for all children to share. So if you on principle are refusing to buy the colored pencils wrapped in plastic, which are, yeah, slightly less distracting, but they are definitely worse for the planet because hello, plastic. And so instead you send your child to school with the normal colored pencils, your child will still get to color. Your child will still be set up for success. The teacher will not blacklist you. It is not the end of the world and everything will be fine. Remember, If you are purchasing, if you are providing, you are in charge. Long episode today. I hope I provided you with some insight, some motivation, some alternatives to the advertisement bombardment that you are likely facing as we speak. I will see you tomorrow for headlines. I promise we will be back. Reach out if you need me. Reach out if you think I got it right reach out if you think I got it wrong. I'm here for all sides of the conversation. The way to do that is in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 392. I'll see you tomorrow for headlines and take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.